What does it mean to be creative? And how can a man be creative and truly understand what he's feeling? That's what we're going to talk about today with our special guest, Jeff Goins, right after this. In a culture that scoffs at honor, you can rise up to lead and to shine. It's time to be the best man that you can be. This is the Manlyhood Mancast. Here's your host, Josh Hatcher. Gentlemen, welcome back to the Manlyhood Mancast. I am glad that you guys chose to tune in and spend some time with us. Listen, today's interview is going to be really great. I spent a lot of time talking with Jeff, and I really feel like Jeff Goins really captures a lot of the things that I wanted to say in his own unique way. I firmly believe that a man should be creative. I think that our creativity is something that we are made with. And I think that it's in us from birth and it looks different from one man to another, but it's one of the ways that we can express how we feel, what we're thinking. And he's going to talk about that. He's got some really unique and interesting and worthwhile perspectives that I think we need to tune in for. So please, let's give it up for Jeff Goins. Hey, Jeff, it is awesome, awesome to have you on the show. I uh, I actually am. Uh, a fan of your work. I've, I've been kind of following your work for several years, kind of since before it was noticed. I think we kind of connected in, in one of these online groups and, um, you know, watching what you're doing has been really exciting. Uh, you know, got a couple copies of your book and, um, uh, it's, it's very intriguing to hear your message on creativity. You know, you've really kind of built a, a really amazing message on that. Maybe tell me a little bit about that, what you do and, and what that, how that translates. Yeah. Thanks. Happy to be here, Josh. Uh, love the beard. Um, yeah, we're, uh, showing up manly as ever. Um, (laughs) yeah. Uh, creativity. I mean, I think creativity is inevitable. Um, I wrote a book years ago called, uh, real artists don't starve. And another potential title for that book was the creative advantage. And essentially, one of the things that I wanted to say is that we are all creative in the sense that we're making things um, all day long, right? Um, uh, as, as a man, I'm, I'm making my work, I'm writing books, I'm speaking, I'm teaching people, I'm sharing what I'm learning about life and creative work. And I'm also like making meaning out of my life, right? I'm, I'm deciding what this all means to me. Um, and, uh, I think when creativity gets relegated to the so-called arts, we, we miss the invitation in a creative life to, um, make the most of what life has to offer. And, and so my, my basic argument was, um, uh, when we embrace our own creative inclinations that again, I think we, we all have in, in different ways, we, we turn life we transform life from drudgery into a, a work of art, into something beautiful to behold, something that's interesting, something that, that is not boring, right? Like life can get kind of monotonous. Work can get kind of uh, hard, right? And, and I think that th- there is um, 
in the masculine disposition, this tendency to just want to be done. Can I be done with work? Can I be done with this conversation with my partner? Can, can my kids just go the F to bed? You know, like, can, can I be done with this? And uh, no, no, you're not done. I mean, that is the, the epic frustration of life, which is that you're not done until you're dead. And um, creativity is, I think, this way of dancing between this desire to want to be done and with the um, unceasing nature of, of reality, which is like, nope, there's always a problem to solve. There's always a thing to do. And if you're trying to be done, um, life feels very frustrating, right? Um, my, my dad, I remember my dad uh, acting this way while I was growing up, like dude worked with his hands uh, all day long, 10, 12 hours a day, came home physically exhausted and would, uh, you know, crack a beer and sit down in front of the TV and like fall asleep within five minutes, you know, at eight o'clock, nine o'clock at night. And, um, and life was, you know, frustrating. And I grew up kind of in this like middle-class Midwestern uh, ethos, which is like, you mow your own grass, you, you do everything for yourself and you kind of like complain about it. Right. Um, that's, that's kind of that, that Midwestern ethos. You do everything for yourself. You don't expect nothing from nobody. And, and, and you kind of whine about it the whole time. And I think that that is part of life and, and what I think it means to be a, you know, man in your own life. And I think there's a, a deeper invitation and creativity art is, is this way to play with that reality where it's not so heavy, where it's not so, um, frustrating, but you go, I always want to be done. And there's always another problem to solve. And I can, in a way, start to look forward to those problems. I can look forward to the dance. Uh, and I think this way as a creative person, like um, when my sole mission in life is to like finish the thing, like make the money, write the book, accomplish the thing. I mean, you've got, you know, many books behind you on your shelf right now. And there's two ways to feel about finishing a creative project. One is I'm done with it. This is the thing. Everybody's going to love this. I have finally created my magnum opus. And then almost immediately I feel disappointed. And I go, this isn't it. There's more to say. There's more to do. So that's one way to do it is to think that like you've arrived. Um, and, you know, as Gertrude Stein once said, there is no there there. And this can start to feel very disillusioning, especially for a man, I think it starts to feel like everything in your nature is is inclined to be done, to be accomplished, to achieve. To, and, and there is this myth that I think we can believe that like at a certain point, you're good and you are never good. Um, and that's not the point of life is to be good. The point of life is to like be good, you know what I'm saying? Like to be okay, like to be cool. Um, and so there's one, one frustrating path, I think, for a creative person is to just like try to make the thing. This is the thing that defines me. And now I've done it. Now I've found my path, my purpose, my whatever, and I'm good, uh, which has not happened in my experience. And has been quite disillusioning and quite frustrating to believe it's going to happen that way. The other path, the other way to do it is to celebrate the end of something because it marks the beginning of something else the mystery of the next book that you're going, I don't know. I don't know what new thing I'm going to create. And that's what makes it so exciting. That's what makes it so fun. It's like, I just finished a hike and like that hike did not complete 
me, you know, but it was wonderful. And I was present to most of it. I had a great conversation with a friend and, um, and, and I look forward to the next one, you know, um, I look forward to, to what the end of that thing made possible, which is this conversation right here. Yeah. I tell people a lot, like we have our purpose and we have our mission and our mission can change. You know, you complete your mission, you get a new mission. Your purpose I think is eternal. Like it's, it's broader. And if you try to define that too specific, yeah. you know, then That's right. you do it, you do it or you fail at it and then right. you're crushed, you know? Oh yeah. It's devastating. Um, I was actually talking about this with a, a friend of mine and, and he was like, maybe, maybe this is my purpose. This is my thing. And I, I love what you said, which is like, um, like, don't get too specific. I actually think of purpose as a life's work, a calling, a vocation. These are all more or less interchangeable words for me. And I, I think the best purposes in a person's life are indefinable or at best vaguely defined. You know, there's this sense that I'm here to do something and I don't quite know what it is. And I'm going to spend my whole life figuring that out. And, and certainly one can attempt to define it. Uh, but I, I personally think for myself, it is indefinable. It is ineffable. It cannot be talked about. It is the mystery uh, of your life, which is that you're here to figure that out. Why am I here? What, what, what is my purpose, my life's work? And every time I think I know what it is, it changes, but not in like a, I thought it was this and it's that. I thought it was X and it's Y. It evolves. It expands. I go, oh, no, 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 no. I thought it was this and it's this. It's the thing that I'm doing now encapsulates the thing that I did that I thought I was. And, and I hope my whole life is an expansion of who I think I am and what I'm here to do. Yeah. When you talk about uh, men and I think our own struggle with creativity because we want to feel done, I think a lot of times um, our culture almost has created a situation where it's like, okay, so the artistic endeavors that a man may pursue are feminine, right? Mm -hmm. Or, or not masculine. And, and I don't know when that shift happened. You know, I remember sure. being a boy, being a boy and I loved music and I loved saxophone. And so, you know, they call me a band, you know, slur, <laughs> uh -huh. you know, they, 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 they associated that with being effeminate, you know, and it's funny because I'd kiss all their girlfriends on the band bus. But... <laughs> well, you did better at band than I did. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that that creative pursuit is, uh, you know, you know, now as, as, as an adult, you know, I still find like music or writing or even woodworking or gardening or, you know, parenting you know there's so many times when that creativity actually when you can funnel that into something i think it just enriches you rather than uh stifles you you know yeah and i think um you know my understanding of masculine and feminine is these are two energies that make the universe work you know alpha, omega, positive, negative, you know, we live in a, in a polarized universe, you know, you need the North and South pole to kind of hold the earth together. Um, and that's wonderful. You know, gra gravity is, is uh, as best as we can understand, as best as I understand it, is this play 
of, of, of forces of, of pulling and, and pushing. And, and so I, I, I think there's nothing wrong with a man pursuing quote unquote feminine pursuits. I actually think that's um, um, good. You know, uh, men are, you know, a heterosexual man is drawn to femininity, drawn to a woman, a heterosexual woman, uh, uh, drawn to feminine pursuits, art, music, beauty, nature. These are in a way feminine. Um, and of course, as a man, I would be attracted to that. It makes me more masculine to embrace feminine pursuits because I'm attracted to it. And, and I think this um, fear that some men have of the you know, so-called feminine is, is misguided. Um, and it, it ends up creating this like harsh, stoic, kind of fearful version of masculinity. And I know as a father, as a, as a single father, um, I, I have to be comfortable with my softness and my harshness, my strength, my decisiveness and my openness uh, when I'm working with my children. Um, because it's just me here, you know, and I've got to, I've got to tap into the own, my own feminine parts and not be afraid of it. Not, not, not be afraid of those, you know, guys calling me gay, you know, on, on the, uh, um, school bus, you know, as, as a young, insecure 12 year old boy who, who doesn't know who he is and is afraid that, what other people are calling him might be true about him kind of thing. Like, Oh, you know, like just a lot of fear around that. And once I get, but I've got, you know, for my children, for the people that I lead and influence my family, listeners, readers, whatever, I've got to get anchored in who I know myself to be. Uh, and, and that means I've got to understand as much of me as, as I can. But I think that there's some, um, there's a richness in more modern men, not becoming um, not going to the other side of the pole and going, oh, I'm just going to like be completely feminine. That that doesn't feel true for me. I know it's true for some people, um, but to integrate some of those parts of myself, those those more feminine parts that um, that have always been there that I, I I didn't know quite how to get in touch with. And I think it's um, I mean, you think of like great artists. Picasso was a very masculine dude. Uh, you know, he was a womanizer. He was, you know, like there was a lot of, lot of things, uh, but he wasn't a wimp and he was an artist. You know, he was a painter. This is, this was not a prissy thing. It was, uh, it was a powerful thing. Uh, I think a man who understands his own masculinity and his femininity and trusts both those parts in him and knows how to use which energy when, um, uh, to affect and help and love the people around him. That's a powerful man. A man who doesn't trust his own softness, his own feminine energy hurts people. Yeah. I personally don't know that I would define what I have as a feminine energy, but I can understand the concept. You know, there's the, the softness. I like that, that picture of it because, you know, I, I think of, you know, we like to think of men and we think of warrior tough bold, strong, and we're also tender and we're nurturing. And those aren't necessarily at odds. You know, they're in balance when we use them properly, you know? I think of it as, I think of healthy masculinity for me as Mm -hmm. soft strength, 
I can be strong. I can be forceful. I can get things done. I can fight. I can use my strength to, to move people, objects, events. I can make things happen. Um, but I also know that I have a tendency that, that I could, I could just bulldoze my way through life and hurt people. And so I think about my children when they're, uh, when they're fighting with each other physically, when they start to like, you know, I have to step in and use my body and my physical strength to separate them. This is just how I intervene. Um, if I do that forcefully, I'm, I'm going to hurt them and I'm going to scare them and it's going to affect a relationship. So I have to softly but strongly insert myself into this situation to um, uh, keep both of my kids safe from each other. And, and every, to teach. Yeah, and every everything I'm doing in that moment, they're watching. So if I step in and I like push him over there and push her over there and I'm like violent, violently intervening on this violence, what am I saying? I'm saying, well, you know, it violence is okay, right? Like, like you, it's okay to use violence to get somebody to do what you want them to do, which is in that moment, kind of the opposite of what I'm trying to teach them, which is no, no, no. Like you can be mad and you can be mad, but like you're, you're nine, my nine-year-old son, you know, uh, you, you as a nine-year-old boy need to understand that you are stronger than your five-year-old sister and you can really hurt her. And so you guys can agree or whatever, but like you, you don't have a right to just kind of touch her body and mess with her in, in, in a way that she's not okay with. Um, so I, I think of it as soft strength, meaning I can get as strong and as harsh and direct and focused as I want to, but I can also soften and I can lie there on the couch and let my daughter crawl up on my lap or my son give me a kiss and, and not feel weird or threatened about that. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, so I, I know people use different terms, and um, I, I think feminine in my dictionary means more than female. Um, but but yeah, I mean, we are whole beings. I was raised by a mother and a father. I've got half of their DNA in me, and and I and I learned, I have learned what it means to be a whole human from both of them and from many other men and women in my life. Yeah, I think that's very true. I, I look at my life and I, I've had male mentors, I've had female mentors and, yeah. you know, depending on the situation and there's different things I learned from each of them, you know, and I think that we need to be able to do that, you know, and not be, you know, overwhelmed by that fear that you talk about. I, I you know, it, it's funny because, it, you know, I, I, I do think that, our culture has got a lot of things mixed up about all of this stuff right now on both ends of the spectrum. And so nobody really can seem to have rational conversations. And so it's really <laughs> refreshing to be able to have a, a rational conversation and say, all right, what is this? And what does that look like? So as we talk about that, that creative side or the artistic side of, of our life, you know, I know that for me, I have found that that allows me to, uh, work through my emotions and to express myself. That is something that I think is lacking in manhood today. I think a lot of men don't know how to put into words, you know, uh, how they feel about their wife or how they feel about their kids or how they feel about the hardship that they're going through. You know, um, what do you, what do you think about that? Is there a way that if the, if a man doesn't know, how can he learn how to do that? I like the, um the archetypes of um, 
warrior, lover, king, magician, you know, the different stages of, of manhood that, that many men go through. And the idea that if you miss one of these stages, part of you is missing. That the goal of being a whole man is to integrate every part of you, you know, boy, cowboy, knight, you know, whatever you want to call these, these archetypes. It's like they're archetypes for a reason. And we don't have a lot of modern rites of passage. So you have like, in my case, you've got a man who um, uh, I, I grew up in you know, lower middle class. My parents didn't have much money. My dad was a hardworking blue collar guy. Um, I was smart and I quickly learned that like, this is my way to a better life. And, and this is all I really have. I wasn't good at like woodworking like my dad was. I wasn't good at swinging a hammer. I was good at knowing the answer in school. And so it just kind of became my safe thing, right? And so I got really, really good at that at the neglect of lots of other things. And later on in life, I realized I want to be a whole man. I don't want to be fully present to my kids. Uh, I want to uh, be a good leader. Um and, and I, I want to not just be good at one thing. I want to be good at all the things that make a man a man, as I understand it, right? And so over recent years, I've been going back and kind of like relive, like, what does it mean to be a warrior? What does it mean to fight for something that you believe in? What does it mean to be a lover? What does it mean to be, um, uh, you know, like a... a um, somebody who's in touch with his emotions and therefore in touch with the emotions of other people. Um, I have found again, as a dad, um, that I can only be as present for my kids uh, or for a partner um, as I am to myself. Right. So if I, if I am uncomfortable with fear, for example, with my own fear, my own anxiety, and I'm just like, I feel afraid, but men don't feel afraid. Push it down, right? Like the emotions are biological fact. You know, emotions happen, right? They're happening in your body all the time, right? If you don't acknowledge them, uh, I think worse stuff can happen than feeling afraid or feeling angry. And, and I've seen that in my own life many, many times when uh, a man especially is, is, doesn't know how to handle his own anger doesn't know how to handle his own fear. He ends up hurting people more than he ever would by simply finding a healthy way to express anger, express fear. And I often think fear and anger are the same thing or they're connected. I'm angry because I'm afraid that something's going to happen or will happen again. Um, so to be a lover, right? To like Think of like Romeo, like the classic lover archetype. This is a boy. You know, this is a teenage boy who is... Uh, you know, hormonal, you know, he's, he's, he's horny. Like he's ready to get it on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. He's poetic. He, he has, uh, he doesn't really care about the consequences. Um, and if you, if you've watched or read Romeo and Juliet anytime soon, and I'm only thinking about this cause I, it was, um, the, the Leo DiCaprio version of it, Boz Lerman's movie. Uh, was was available on a plane and I watched it, you know, uh, flying back from from somewhere uh, recently. And I forgot that like the beginning of of the movie or beginning of the play is him grieving this other girl that he's just getting over, Rosalind. 
and he immediately meets Juliet and falls in love with her. And that's like, that's the lover archetype, right? Is um, you're, you're kind of tossed back and forth depending on your emotions. That is the classic like emo musician, teenager with a guitar. Like that was me. Um, I was really good at the, the sad lover boy routine, the poet, the artist, like that archetype. Um, and the arts, you know, creativity, which you were talking about before, is just an expression of emotion, right? It's girls, I didn't kiss all the, you know, all, all those dudes' girlfriends. Um, <laughs> and so I turned to the arts, to words, because um, they were familiar to me, to music and poetry as a way of expressing my feelings to these girls that didn't that I thought didn't want to have anything to do with me like, like later on I learned some of them did and I was like no I've, I've lost my, yeah. my chance you know um <laughs> but I think um if I can't handle an emotion myself like it, it, let's just say we're friends dude and I can't handle my own fear and then I see fear on you because you can see emotions on people even when they're like I'm fine I'm fine I'm fine, I'm fine. you can like something's off with you and if you're afraid, let's say you're more comfortable with your emotions than I am. You come in and you go, I'm afraid of this. I'm like, I'll try to fix it, which is, you know, men are really good at that. Like, why are you afraid? Do this, do that, do that. And what an emotion needs, I've, I've come to understand for myself at least, is space. And when I actually just give myself permission, you know, a couple of minutes to just feel something, I feel it and it's done. I remember... And this has been a big part of my own personal development work over the past year or so um, was I was in a, a actual group therapy session last year with a bunch of men and it was being facilitated by a, a therapist. And I said something that I thought was like innocuous right? or, or like I made a gesture or something and the therapist immediately noticed it and was like, what was that? And I was like, oh, nothing, it's fine. And she goes, what are you feeling right now? And I said, oh, I feel fine. No one other emotions going on. I'm like, mm, maybe a little sad. And she said, what would it be like to express your sadness right now? And I started to like feel something like a little uncomfortable. And, and I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know. And, you know, I've got, I've got, she said, I've got some space. If you want to just share, you know, just feel sad. Like, don't even say anything. Just if you want to feel sad for a minute. Like, I don't really want to feel sad, but I like, I felt this, like, just this little twinge of sadness in my stomach. And as I felt like, and she asked everybody else in the group, there's like 11 or 12 other guys, like, hey, is it okay if, Jeff, if we just sit here with Jeff and let him feel whatever he's feeling? And everybody was like, yeah, that's fine. And I said, I am afraid that if I start feeling sad, I will never stop. Because um, I had a lot of trauma hood, trauma, trauma hood, trauma in childhood. And, and I, and I'm sad about stuff that I never really got to address or process. And, and this is, I, this is a fear that I have. I think a lot of people have about therapy, emotions, like why, why bother with all that stuff? Like why get stuck in the past? And I have found that by avoiding the past or even by avoiding emotions, you are stuck in it by feeling the feeling by facing the past, you actually get to move on from it truly. So I cried. I didn't want to, but it happened because I felt safe enough to feel sad for a minute. And I cried for about two minutes, which is a long time to cry without stopping in front of a group of other men. At least I felt that way. And then I was done and I didn't feel sad anymore. And that thing that I was sad about didn't feel like it had as much of a charge anymore. 
And I do think sometimes we can get stuck on emotions. We can get addicted to certain ways of being and feeling. Um, and I do think that many men err on the side of just not feeling anything or feeling like <laughs> this tiny range. As I've got more comfortable with my emotions, though, I've I it's just it's made me a better dad because because my kids are way better. Kids are way better. At, boys and girls are way better at expressing emotion than adults tend to be. Um, because we've learned, oh, oh, you can't do that, right? Like somebody will judge you for being sad or afraid or angry. You can't do that, right? And I remember one time recently um, saying to my son, um, oh, you're sad. Because that's a really, that's an easy emotion for me to feel, sadness. And he was crying. He goes, dad, I am not sad. I am angry. And I am angry at you because you did this thing. And I feel angry. And I was like, whoa, 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 settle down. Ah, you know, like all this stuff kind of came up in me. I was afraid of his emotion. And I was just like, but then I just kind of like, okay, you know, you're, you're angry. That makes sense. And I just, and he was angry for a minute and then he was, it was over, you know? And I said, Hey, I'm, I'm sorry that I did that thing. And, and he was like, Oh no, it's no big deal. But he got, he got to be angry for a minute and it was such a lesson to me um, on how emotions are not these scary things. They're just things that ha they're happening in us all the time. When we acknowledge them, we actually have control over them. When we don't acknowledge them, they have control over us. Yeah. 100% man. I've seen that repeatedly in my own life. Yeah. And I think, I think men, we tend to latch onto anger because it's an easy one. It's easy to be grumpy. It's easy to be upset. It's easy to kind of growl and snarl. It's a lot harder to cry. It's a lot harder to even so, like, I think sometimes we are angry when we're happy. Like it's just an easy emotion for us. You know, we don't want to be too happy. If we're too happy, then we'll, yeah. you know, so we'll, we just default to anger. And especially if we've got trauma or if we've got hurt that is unresolved, man, like it's like, it's an easy pathway for us. And it's it's worth working through yeah and and anger is fine too you know um but you're right i think anger is often a mask for sadness sometimes fear um and 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 those are real too and i actually find the hardest part is that i'm often feeling more than one thing at the same time sad about this kind of happy about this and and if i don't understand all of those things which i don't i often don't it gets kind of bundled together. And then, uh, you know, a therapist told me once that rage is when one, or it's not, it's not just anger. It's when one, it's when two or more emotions are bundled together. So I'm angry and afraid at the same time it comes out as like this explosive thing. Even if I don't like lash out at somebody, it's like exploding inside of me. And, you know, going back to creative expression, artistic expression, whether that's like whatever making anything is creativity right so woodworking writing a song um making a podcast whatever like making something is a way i think it's an easy way for men to get in touch with their feelings in a way that feels productive a lot of guys i know it doesn't feel productive to sit around and talk about their feeling for an hour so people are willing to do that i think that's really good work and that may not be the first step for people. It may be um, start journaling, you know, because it's a thing that you can do and be done with and kind of feel good about, feel accomplished with. Um, I, I, I often wake up feeling all kinds of things, not knowing what they are. And I have to go for a walk every morning. This was a real 
pandemic lifesaver for me was to just go for a walk or a hike, you know, for 30 minutes to a couple of hours every day. And I just noticed how much more clearly I'm thinking um, at the end of, of a walk. There are biological reasons for that, neurobiological reasons for that. When you're any sort of bilateral movement, tapping, uh, sometimes listening to music that's playing in different ears with headphones or just walking uh, is a way to stimulate both sides of your brain. And, and it, it helps release trauma. It helps relieve anxiety. Uh, you know, EMDR, which is a, you know, a therapy that, that helps people work through trauma is, is basically based on, on that. Like the, the creator of that modality realized when, when they were walking with patients um, that when they moved both sides of their body, it unlocked emotions that otherwise wouldn't get unlocked. So if you're feeling like, oh, I don't like, I don't know what I'm feeling, but I'm mad at everybody. And I don't know why, right? And you want to lash out at your kids or your wife or your friends or whatever, um, go for a walk. It is like the best thing that you can do for anybody in your life. And it's super practical and you don't have to like cry in front of a therapist or whatever. It's such good medicine. Or boxing. That sounds like more fun though. Totally. Like- <laughs> That's, that's bilateral movement too. I, I had, I had somebody tell me that like you have so much energy and, and, and when you don't use it, you're going to default to anger. Um, you should try like kickboxing, like a really aggressive kind of sport to just like, that's, that's, that is emotional release. I have a friend who's a, a, a woman who loves kickboxing because it just allows her to work through stuff that like sitting and talking doesn't. My brother used to have a baseball bat that was all, it was an aluminum bat that was just all dinged up and he would just go out in the woods and beat up on a tree and it would just give him, you know, something to let out that frustration and that it's, it's, funny it's I wish so it, humbling, right? Like to hit a tree because the tree does not move. <laughs> it doesn't care. Yeah. It, it, the tree, tree does not care. He's like, yeah. okay, my bark hurts a little bit, but I'll be fine. <laughs> so you talked a little bit about journaling and I know that as a writer, that's, you would think that that's easier for writers, but um, sometimes it's not, but, but I think a lot of guys might struggle. Maybe they don't even know where to start with that process. Like, what does that look like? You know, like if you, if you pull up your journal, what do you usually write in it? I don't journal. I used to, oh, you don't? Uh, as a kid, I did uh, all the way through college. And then and when I graduated college, I toured with a band for a year and I, I journaled every day. Um, I stopped journaling because I felt like I had to like say everything that I did that day. And I didn't want to do that. Um, My easiest, um, uh, I don't journal every day, but I write every day. And my easiest processing tool is um, poetry. I will write a poem. It's something that I've done since I was probably 11, 12 years old. I stopped for a while. I became an author. I felt like I had to be more serious. I had to like be practical. And a couple of years ago, when I was just going through some stuff and the the success that I achieved didn't satisfy me, I wasn't happy with all the things that were supposed to make me happy. I I just was confused. I didn't know what I was feeling. Like, shouldn't I be happy? Shouldn't I feel grateful? I want to, and I can't. It's not enough. Right. And, and so I started writing, I just started writing these stream of consciousness things that became poems. Um, and 
being a musician, writing, you know, poetry for a long time, reading, I love, I love beautiful words. Um, and, and, you know, being a, a writer by trade, um, finding the right words to express what I'm feeling in the moment when I'm not quite sure what it is, is really helpful to me. Cause then I read back what I wrote and I go, Oh, that makes sense. Um, so where would you, where, where should you start? I mean, I think a really good practice, uh, and I'm not super strict or dogmatic about it, but every day, uh, more or less, I get up, have a cup of coffee, go for a walk for, and on busy days where like I jump into like some phone calls or meetings, and sometimes that happens. I'll notice halfway through the day, I'm just kind of feeling like, mm, I don't know. Uh, I'll just go for a 30 minute walk. I'll find a little like skip lunch or whatever. Like it's that sacred to me. I will, I will walk. And as soon as I just move my body for 20 to 30 minutes, left, right, left, right, walking around, doesn't even have to be fast. Doesn't have to be running or anything. Sometimes I do that. Um, I feel better and I feel clearer and then I'll write something. So cup of coffee, go for a walk and then write something. Where should you start? Whether it's a poem or an observation or a journal, call it whatever you want. Write one true thing. This is what this is what Hemingway would would say to himself when he was struggling with writer's block in the early days of uh, of being a fledgling, penniless writer living in Paris. Is uh, just write one true sentence. Right, that's all you need to do. And I think that's actually really helpful advice for anybody, whether they're writers or not. One sentence a day. Um, uh, I I know uh, a, a woman who does that. Writes. And he's been doing it for five years, uh, a one-sentence journal entry every single day. Anybody can do that. And I think the point of it is to remind you of who you are and what you're feeling in the moment. And to maybe in some ways hear yourself say things that are true about you that you didn't know until you wrote them down. I I think it was Flannery Flannery O'Connor who said, I don't know what I think until I read what I write. And there's something very cathartic for me, not just about thinking about it, not just about talking about it, but like committing pen or pencil or, you know, fingers to keys, right? Like committing um, pencil to paper and getting out something and going, oh, that's what's going on with me? Isn't that interesting? That's very uh, observant and helpful, actually. I think I get my... Sometimes I get uh, to the place, and I, I'm sure you may as well, because I know that you write for a living. So I, I do a little bit of that as well, doing marketing and, and that kind of work. And so I'll find myself writing. And Sometimes I'm writing for the purpose of doing the work, you know? And so I like that idea of just taking the time, just write it for no other purpose other than just to express it. Like write it to write it. And in the act of writing it, you might learn something that you didn't know about yourself. And it, and it may end up being something that you use in something later and it might not, but just to do it helps you to express it. So. Yeah. I'd move the body a little bit and I'd write one true sentence. I think that's, um, that's a very good practice. I like that. So I'm actually, uh, we're kind of getting a little bit short on, on time. So I have a couple of questions I like to ask all of my guests. And the first one is this, if, if a young Jeff six or seven walks in the door, I mean, ignore all of the, you know, science fiction paradox, 
<laughs> stuff. But he walks in the door and you've got the opportunity to speak into his life. What are you going to tell him? You're going to be okay. And there is no messing it up. And you can tell that girl how you feel about her. <laughs> yeah, I remember as a kid being pretty scared all the time and worried that I was going to get it wrong, mess it up, somebody's going to get mad at me. And I still have, I still have that little boy with me, you know. And so I do, I do work with that. I do talk to him, you know, and 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 try to love him in ways that maybe he wasn't able to be loved as a child. That's actually part of the reason I asked that question is because I know that we've all got that. And we all, I think it helps us all to think about that. So that's good. And then my next question is, and this might be something that you've already said. It might be uh, something different, but what is the best advice that you have for the men that are listening today? The best advice is to get in touch with your heart. That a man who doesn't know his softness doesn't understand his own strength. And a man who doesn't understand his own strength will and does hurt people. And and so the best way for you to not only not hurt people, but help others, love others, lead others, and like be happier, feel better about your life, um, is to get in touch with your heart, to feel more, and to not be afraid of it. It doesn't make you weak. It makes you human um, and whole. And you get to show up as all of you. And that is um, so much more trustworthy. Than, than somebody who is grumpily standing in the corner and doesn't know why. I think most men don't know why they're feeling what they're feeling or even that they're feeling. You figure that out, you're going to be okay and you're going to be a better human to all of the other humans around you. Excellent advice, my friend. Excellent advice. So uh, I know that you've got a lot of things that you do that you've been doing. If our listeners want to know more about you, and the work that you do and how they can get plugged in, what's the best way for them to connect with you? You can check out my podcast, which is called Hey Creator. You can uh, find that at heycreator.me. We also have a, a weekly newsletter that goes out every Tuesday. Um, and it's, uh, you know, thoughts on the creative life where um, uh, these are the things that I'm learning about life and about work as a creative person. And so we delve into all kinds of fun things. And uh, yeah, that's heycreator.me is the best place to, to check all that out. You can sign up for the newsletter and, and subscribe to the podcast, follow it, however you want to do that, wherever you do it. Awesome. I appreciate it very much. Thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your thoughts with us. I wish you the best and I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Josh. Thanks so much. Good to be with you. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, let's give it up for Jeff Goins. What a fantastic interview. Thank you for sharing your thoughts with us today, man. Uh, If you want to get plugged in with what Jeff is doing, go to his website, jeffgoins.com. We've got that linked in the show notes for you. Uh, Also, know and understand that what we're doing here at Manlyhood happens, and it grows, and it thrives because of you. And you've got the opportunity to help it do that. Help Manlyhood be something special. If you like this episode, share it with somebody. If you're learning something from it, tell somebody about it. Leave a rating, a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Let's get the word out about what we're doing here at Manlyhood. Also, you can go to the Manlyhood store at manlyhood.com slash store. You can get some books and other resources. You can get t-shirts and mugs. It's a great way to help spread the word and have fun celebrating Manlyhood with the rest of us. Anyway, 
I love you guys. More interviews on the way coming up for you soon. I love you guys, and I care about you, and I'll see you next time. If you want to be a better man, check out our website, manlyhood.com, for blogs, videos, and more from our Manlyhood team. And you can also join our private Facebook group, Manlyhood Man Cave, where you can meet up with a band of brothers who will challenge you and help you on your journey of manhood. This episode is produced by Hatcher Media for Manlyhood.com. Be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you're listening to the show. Tune in again for more of the Manlyhood Mancast.